0: Good evening, let's, uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 107, please. And um, listen as I read. Psalm 107 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom he has redeemed from the hand of the adversary and gathered from the lands, from the east, from the west, from the north, and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in the desert region. They did not find a way to an inhabited city. They were hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted within them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He delivered them out of their distresses. He led them also by a straight way to go to an inhabited city. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. For he has satisfied the thirsty soul and the hungry soul he has filled with what is good. And there were those who dwelt in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in misery and chains because they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore he humbled their heart with labor. They stumbled and there was none to help. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadows of death and broke their bands apart. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men For he has shattered gates of bronze and cut bars of iron asunder. Fools, because of their rebellious way and because of their iniquities, were afflicted. Their soul abhorred all kinds of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He saved them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. Let them also offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his works with joyful singing. Those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters, they've seen the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he spoke... And raised up a stormy wind which, the, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They rose up to the heavens and they went down to the depths. Their soul melted away in their misery. They reeled and staggered like a drunken man and were at wit's end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And he brought them out of their distresses. He caused the storm to be still so that the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad because they were quiet. So he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. Let them extol him also in the congregation of the people and praise him at the seat of the elders. He changes rivers into a wilderness and springs of water into a thirsty ground a fruitful land into a salt waste because of the wickedness of those who dwell in it. He changes a wilderness into a pool of water and a dry land into springs of water. And there he makes the hungry to dwell so that they may establish an inhabited city and sow fields and plant vineyards and gather a fruitful harvest. Also he blesses them and they multiply greatly and he does not let their cattle decrease when they are diminished and bowed down through oppression misery and sorrow he pours contempt upon princes and makes them wander in a pathless waste but he sets the needy securely on a highway on on high away from affliction and makes his families like a flock the upright see it and are glad but all unrighteousness shuts its mouth. Who is wise? Let him give heed to these things and consider the loving kindness of the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, you are, uh, you are capable of doing anything. You have saved us from our sins, our wretchedness and you can save any soul. We thank you, Lord, that we can say we're redeemed, not by anything that we have done. We were in distress and you saved us. We were wandering and you saved us. We thank you, Lord, for so many blessings. We thank you for being such a good God we thank you for your steadfast love. Love that we do not earn and don't deserve. But you and your grace and mercy have smiled upon us. and loved us and saved us. You've forgiven us of our sins, which are many. And you continue to pour out your grace upon us. And we thank you, Lord, for your, your great kindness to us. We thank you for our church family, these believers together. We worship you together. We seek to grow together and love one another and love you and instruct one another together. And we pray that tonight you would be pleased to to bless us again as we gather to worship you and express our thanks to you in Jesus' name, amen.
1: So
2: in just a moment, we're going to have three of our elders come and pray and uh, we're going to spend an extended time here in prayer, but I wanted to direct your attention to something that was really brought to our attention this past week. We wanted to have this be a time where we as a church family can come, Uh, we can rejoice with one another, and we can also help bear one another's burdens. And so this next time is really going to be a combination of the two. Um, So I spoke with Donna Grenier uh, this past week, and I asked her, if she would, to get me a list of uh, folks who had passed away within the past 12 months. And the reason why I did that is because we're coming into the holiday season thanksgiving and christmas time and this can be a difficult time when you are going through the holidays and you don't have that loved one she gave me a list that honestly was kind of overwhelming Uh, in fact what you're going to see on the screen is a shortened version of that list Uh, what you'll see is 28 different names of folks in our church that have either passed away or they've had immediate loved ones pass away be it a father a mother a brother or a sister In fact, uh, before the service, I was speaking with a lady in our church here, Sally Lempinen, who is going through our membership class, and we need to add one more person because her husband passed away this past past year. So as I look at this list, uh, there's an opportunity to rejoice in some ways because some of the names that you'll see are members of Grace Church, and they are with the Lord, and precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints, and they have graduated, to be sure. But some on the list, uh, we're not so sure. So there's, regardless what we know, uh, to be sure, we do know that those who are here uh, that are going into Thanksgiving, that are going into Christmas, and really have been going in life for the past several months um, are still bearing this burden. So if I could have Dave Hickson and Bob Gray and Harry Dodd come forward and we're going to spend a time of prayer. And if we could have that list up on the screen, kwan uh, uh, if, if you would and um, you'll be able to see some of the names what these elders are going to be doing is they're going to be praying through this list again at some level it's an opportunity to rejoice um, we uh, uh, will have the elders mention each one and have a time for prayer and um, they'll uh, give attention obviously to where attention's is due um, just before they do, want to give an opportunity to just praise the Lord once again. We had two souls have spiritual births this past week, so we're thankful for that. And if you remember, one month ago, we had Jacob and Joanna Bernhardt up here, and we as a congregation prayed for them um, just in light of their child that was about to be born and, and the uncertainty there. And so, um, praise God, uh, as Pastor Tim announced this morning, it looks like he'll be coming home. So just the days that, that God has numbered for little Noah are greater than what we thought they would be. And so we're thankful for that. So, elders, will have you go ahead and pray, and the, the, the names will be kind of toggling back and forth. And obviously, each one represents a soul. Uh, I'd encourage you, as you pray, if there are certain people that, that kind of stick out, and maybe jot a note down, and, and maybe reach out to them. Uh, throughout uh, this week and and, and even this season. But it's a good opportunity as family to come and to rejoice, but then also to bear one another's burdens. So Harry, why don't you start, and we'll pray together, okay?
1: Let's pray. Lord, first of all, we're thankful that you have adopted us into your family. We thank you that you are a loving father who cares about each one and Lord we thank you that you have put us together as a family to care for one another And Lord when one of our family members passes away we miss them and Lord uh, it leaves a hole and we thank you that you can come along to fill that hole and fill that place Lord, I do pray for uh, the family of Marlene Trevisano. Pray that your comfort would would be with them. And Lord, we thank you for the life of Sandy Cadence. And thank you what a what a joy it was to serve with her and her husband for many years. Pray that you would uh, bless that family and uh, the influence that they have had in their family Lord I pray thank you for uh, Marianne Wallace and her love for you Lord pray that you would uh, bless that family and particularly for Glenn as he is now without his spouse and uh, pray that he'd look to you to fill that that place Lord, I pray for uh, particularly Jim Coakley and the loss of his dear wife and for uh, the extended family and pray that uh, we thank you for her life. Lord, we thank you for Jack Lego as well and the many years that he served you in this place and the many uh, people that he touched. Thank you that he's now a servant that gets to serve you and look on your face. And Lord, we thank you for uh, Joseph Abraham, who went to be with you recently. Pray that you would uh, guide and bless his family at this time, especially coming on the Christmas season and Thanksgiving. And Lord... uh, Pray for uh, Michael Medler Medler, and, uh, and the passing of his wife. Pray that he too uh, would know the comfort that only you can provide. Lord, I do thank you I would pray for the Stanbaugh family and the passing of Kevin's father and mother uh, in just a recent time. I pray that you, that you would provide the comfort that only you, can, only you can give. And we'll thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.
3: Heavenly Father, as we continue in prayer and remembering those from our midst who have passed away this last year, uh, we think of members and then family members uh Specifically, uh, think of Donna Gunekunz, uh who uh, passed away and has left her husband Nick and her son Tim, who are also members here, and lord uh the void that she leaves there and uh we We pray Lord, that you would comfort them during this time and Lord um, it's it's difficult uh when you lose a family member, we we have a number that have lost their father, Uh, members here who have lost their fathers who uh, were not members here. But Lord, when uh, one part of the body hurts, we all hurt with them. So we lift them up. I think of Patsy Hickson who lost her father in Georgia. Think of Dwayne Seelinger, lost his father. Um, Jim Dahlhausen, uh, Pam Beck, Chris Wozleski. Lord, these were fathers uh, that were cherished and uh, leave a void. Some passed of COVID, some passed of old age. Some were not expected, some were. But, Lord, in each case, we pray that uh, their memory uh, might um, live on in their children's lives. And, Lord, that you might be honored uh, in their lives. We think, Lord, of uh, Miriam Acker, who lost her mother this year. And, Lord, one thing that's very difficult is... Uh, as a parent, when you lose a child, and I think, Father of uh, Wissinger's, who lost their son, and Jean Leonard, who lost her grandson. Lord, each one of these uh, are hurting, and especially during this time of year. And Lord, may we uh, take these names and, in our private time, raise them up and. Lord, as we see them during this Christmas holiday and Thanksgiving holiday, may we be a a point of comfort to them and uh, an encouragement to them and uh, just bear along with them in this time of grief. I pray this in Jesus' name.
4: And Lord, as we continue, we do... um... We have more members here who have lost uh, family members. We think of Phil Ruska and his mom, losing of his mom, loss of his mom. Uh, Sheila Tompkins and the loss of her mother. We especially think of the Frank family who's had a very difficult year. Uh, Shauna's grandmother, her father, her mother, and now her brother, all within the last few months. Just pray, pray especially for uh, Steve and Shauna and the family. Going through this very difficult time of four family members in a few months. Strengthen, encourage them, especially, and, and uh, help them to endure and to carry on. Think of Nancy McConnell, loss of her son, Dan. Again, it's difficult for a parent to bury a child. And uh, Nancy's been a, a stalwart here spiritually for many of us. And uh, just we grieve with her and we, we comfort with her. And Lord, we just. Um, ask that you would be near to her, and, and again, a sudden homegoing of her son, Dan. Carl Campbell's mom, as well. Uh, Leroy Miazi's sister, Loretta, recently. Encourage her, strengthen her. Chuck Thornton's sister, and uh, Maria Iarillo's father. Lord, these are all members uh, who've lost loved ones, and again, uh, we do uh, weep with those who weep. Lord, we... Uh, encourage them, we reach out to them, and Lord, may the only uh, true comfort can come from you, and we thank you for that, in Christ's name.
2: Appreciate you taking this time, it's kind of raw. Um, I think you'll also notice that in something like this pastor tim's sermon from this morning is all the more important that being with one another being able to um have varying levels of relationship with one another being able to have our spiritual gifts minister to one another is that much more important so thank you uh for the time uh and now what we're going to have is uh our Uh, one of our missionaries that we've been supporting for quite some time, Pastor Mike Brunk. He'll come. He's uh, ministering in South Africa. Uh, Just as a reminder, we are actually going to be supporting him in our um, Christmas offering. We've supported him in the past, and we'll be coming alongside and helping support uh, the ministry that he has there in South Africa as is uh, something that's really special. It's uh, one where they're able to minister to those recovering from addiction. I'm sure he'll share a little bit more about that, but uh, we're thankful for you being here. Thanks for coming, and uh, time's yours. Thank you. I think I have this one oh, on, yeah,
5: that's okay, gonna, okay. okay. My bad, all right. sorry.
2: <laughs> One's fine.
5: Well, good evening to you all. And uh, let me just introduce, I don't there he is. So Josh is right back here. If you want to stand up and just turn around and greet everybody, this is my son, Josh. And where's Futi? In the back, so his wife right there in the back. Okay. And then they have three children that are here. Olivia, put your hand up and say, hey. And Caden and Emma. So that's our, those are our grandchildren. That was kind of an unexpected blessing that we received a couple of years ago. We, had, we have 12 grandchildren, two of whom we've not met. Um, they're down in Mississippi. They were born in April of last year. And uh, we haven't actually had, had a chance to meet them yet, so they're about a year and a half old. Uh, but it was a real special blessing when Josh and his family moved over to South Africa in 2018. And we have three of our grandchildren in our front yard. So um, we, are, we, we have the granny flat in the backyard, and we have, uh, they are in the house. Uh, we actually were in the house, and they were in the granny flat, and they got the third child. And I was like, this is an efficiency apartment that they're in, and Marie and I have a four-bedroom house. And we thought that didn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> anyway, I was noticing, um, and then my wife Marie's back there. <laughs> well, I forgot about it. It's only been 41 years. I was noticing in Psalm 107 as that was being read. This statement of fruit—he turns uh, rivers into a wilderness, the water springs into dry ground, a fruitful land into barrenness. How many of you have looked at 2020 and kind of would have used those words to describe it? You know, in 2021, same type of thing. Um, and, you know, you had that list of 28 people up here that 's pretty tough. Um, we didn't go through a lot of loss of friends or family. we didn't have anybody that we lost uh, personally because of COVID, but we 've watched just just extreme difficulties over the last year and a half, and I, I often tell people, this has been the hardest year and a half. In my ministry, I've been ministering for forty some years, and clearly, it's been the hardest forty or hardest year and a half that that we've ever faced. Um, it, from a from a physical standpoint, um, we had we we kind of in South Africa it was kind of an interesting situation. They went into when you guys were going through the early parts of COVID over here. One of the advantages we had was we saw what you were going through. So we could anticipate what was coming because you were ahead of us by about three months. Uh, when New York City got that, just got lambasted la- last year. You know, we we hadn't had our first case, or we had had a couple of cases, and so the government went into a very severe lockdown, uh, level five lockdown, which meant we could literally not leave our houses. So Marie and I, we we have this little postage stamp piece of property. And we, we, we couldn't go out on the streets and exercise. We were not legally allowed to go out on the streets to exercise. We walked 44 laps around our property. That was a 45 minute walk. All right. And the, the good news with all of that was that um, it really allowed the country to get prepared for COVID. And so whereas you were all pretty much taken off guard by the disease, we weren't. And so by the time COVID actually hit South Africa, the hospitals were pretty prepared. And the first wave occurred probably in June or July of 2020. The second wave took place in December of 2020. Um, And neither of them were that bad. We lost people, certainly. um, But honestly, it wasn't that bad. Um, And I think we all kind of had the feeling like we beat it. You know, we, we, didn't, we didn't get what everybody else in the world was getting, Italy and India and some of the other countries. And then the third wave hit. And that hit in July of this year. And it was devastating. It was absolutely devastating. And, and my best description as I pictured what went through in New York City, that's what happened in Johannesburg in, in July. The people were literally dying in hospital parking lots. Um, because there were no beds. We had a good friend, he, he survived, but they had to life flight him to Kenya to get him a bed. Now, can you imagine this picture? Flying a, a man to a third world country because a first world country can't handle, a, handle the load. That's exactly what took place. He survived as a result. He would never have survived in South Africa. And so it was a hard, hard time. Um, from a ecclesiastical standpoint, from the standpoint of our church, um, we did fairly well through the through the year and a half. We had one lady in um, in June of this year that came down with COVID pretty seriously. Um, she was, I guess they call it long COVID. I'm not quite sure of the terminology of some of the things that are going on, but she kept testing positive, 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 positive for months. She was testing positive which meant she could never leave the hospital and she could never start rehab she had she had actually was in the hospital so long that she couldn't walk and so you know they had to take her into but that she couldn't go to rehab because she had the test of positive COVID. she came out to church last sunday for the first time so that gives you some idea of the duration of what she's gone and then last sunday my elder resigned um he was. Uh, this had nothing to do with COVID. It just was part of the whole structure of the difficulties and so forth that, that we've gone through. Um, he got mad at me for something, uh, basically, and um, tendered his resignation. Just kind of walked out, told the church, I'm resigning, walked out, and left. Kind of didn't even give him a, a, a reason for what happened. And so that's actually led us to the point I was sharing with Pastor Tim... On Friday, that's led us to the point of probably reducing our our furlough from April back to January. Uh, we'll probably go back to South Africa in January. Um, and so as you look at that, it's been a barren year. It's been a wilderness year. It's been a rough year, a year and a half, 20 months, whatever it is now. And as you look at that particular type of situation, I think there's a couple of ways we can approach it. And I want to think about it from the standpoint in the Scriptures of the life of, of Joseph and, and Jacob. So if you'll go back to the book of Genesis with me. This section, is the, the, the theme here this evening is in everything give thanks. And there's a couple of ways we can look at what's happened over this, the course of this year we can look at it and see the circumstances and see the overwhelming nature of the circumstances that we faced. And that will lead us down the road of of discouragement and depression. Or we can look at the God who controls the circumstances, and that will lead us to hope and, and confidence. And as you look at Jacob and Joseph, I want you to think about this. What's the story of Jacob and Joseph? Joseph, when he was 17 years old, He was the favorite son of his father, Jacob. I'm going to mix up those two names. I guarantee you at some point during this course of this devotion, I'll mix up those two names. Jacob loved Joseph, made him a coat of many colors, probably a coat of long sleeves, took him, promoted him above all of the rest of the sons. The sons became jealous of, of that promotion and found an opportunity and decided instead of killing him, they would sell him into slavery so they could actually make a buck in the process of, of, um, of, of getting rid of this pest of a brother. And he was sold down into, into Egypt. He went down to Egypt. He was in Potiphar's house for how many months? He rose up. You know, that's a picture of Joseph. He's yeast. He's constantly rising up. You know, you watch, you watch Joseph, and he gets put down he gets sold into slavery. I mean, think about that. You went from being the top person in your household to a slave overnight, you know? How, how well, and, and unfairly, how many of you like to be treated unfairly? Any, anybody like false, I love false accusations, don't you? When somebody says something to you and, 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 it's, and you know it's wrong, it just really makes you feel good about yourself, right? Of course not. I want to yell and scream and jump up and down and and protest. But Joseph was sold into slavery. What did he do? Did he stay down? Did he say, okay, so much for those dreams God gave me. No. He faithfully served. And he rose up in Potiphar's household. And then what happened? He's falsely accused. An absolute lie. And what happens to him? He goes down deeper and now he's in a prison and probably the prison of the executed pr- criminals he, he he was the king's prison uh, probably if it hadn't been for the grace of God he would have been executed in that in that situation and then the butler and the baker come in and I can't remember who's who now but one of them is guilty and one of them's innocent and they both have a dream on one night. And, and, and Joseph says to the, to, the, to the one, I think it was the butler, who, who uh, had the good dream, he said, remember me. Remember that? And the butler gets out, and he's so excited, he's so relieved, I imagine, that he just forgot. And I think it's for a year and a half, something like that. Right? So Joseph starts out in his family up here, He gets dropped down to here. He rises up to here. He gets dropped down to here. He even rises up in the prison to the point that he's the spokesperson in the prison and then gets dropped down. I mean, you can't go much lower than he got. And yet, at the end of Genesis, if you look over in chapter 50, Genesis chapter 50, and verse 20, one of my favorite verses, Remember when the brothers, when jo- Jacob had died and the brothers were all concerned that, Jake, that Joseph now might get even with them? Remember that story? They're worried that now that dad's gone, brother Joseph, who was second in command, might just take it out on us. Joseph wasn't that kind of a man, but they thought he might be because they thought he might be like them. But look in verse 20. He says, But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring the pass as it is this day to save many people alive what did Joseph do? I want you to just catch this I mean if, if, if we could describe the wilderness of Joseph okay it would be like 2020 and 2021 it was pretty rough it was a longer period of time by the way it was probably about 12 or 13 years something along those lines but Joseph kept his eye on God. God to Joseph was big, and what did that do to Joseph's circumstances? It shrunk them. You ever you ever look through? Uh, we, we are um, we love the Kruger National Park in South Africa anybody's ever seen any of the wildlife stories, most of them take place in the Kruger National Park. So if you get a YouTube or something like that, that's probably taking place in Kruger. Kruger's about the size of Vermont and it's all wild. And we love to go there. And, and, and you'll see an animal, you can see this leopard. He's across the river, over the hill, up on that little tree. And my 63-year-old eyes look and they say, what? I don't see anything. So I get my binocs out. Right? And I look through those binocs, and when I see through the... Oh, there's a leopard lying on that tree branch. And I can see that. The the binocs have the effect of maximizing what I'm looking at. Now, you can look through the binocs like Joseph did. And when you look through the binocs like Joseph did, God is big. And the circumstances shrink. Now, I want you to look in chapter 42. And I want you to think about this. Jacob essentially faced the same circumstances. Right? I mean, he didn't, didn't know about the prison. He didn't know, I mean, about the, the slavery. He didn't know about the prison. But his favorite son was taken captive. And, and as far as Jacob was concerned, he was dead. All right? We, we prayed just now for the, for the brethren who've lost children. I, that's the one that just breaks my heart. And you know, I... I, I like somebody said, we're not supposed to bury our children. You know That's a really heavy, heavy thing. And, um, and, and what you have here in, is, is, a, is a man who's lost his son and thinks he's lost a second son. And when they come back, now Joseph's prime minister at this point of, of Egypt, and when he comes back, when the, when the other brothers come back and they're, they're unloading their, their sacks, remember the monies found in, the, in, the, in each of the sacks? And I want you to notice in verse 36... And Jacob their father said unto them, Me have you bereaved of my children. Joseph is not, and Simeon is not, and you will take Benjamin away. Now notice these words. All these things are against me. Do you realize the exact opposite was true of this situation? Do you realize that Jacob actually... Everything was working together for good. All Jacob needed to do was read Romans 8.28. Of course he didn't have Romans 8.28. But it really was. But what was Jacob's problem? Jacob's problem was the Binox were focused on the circumstances instead of being focused on God like Joseph's binocs were focused his were focus, focused on the circumstances you know what that did to God it made him look really small and he couldn't see God because of the circumstances in his life in fact if you'll skip over to chapter 47 one more verse on this <laughs> this is sad Joseph is revealed to his brothers. Joseph is revealed to his father. His father's brought down to Egypt. His father's in Egypt in, in, in a, almost a kingly state. I mean, his, his son is the prime minister of the, of the nation, and he's the father of, his, of, of this prime minister. I mean, he's, he's got it made. And Pharaoh, verse 8, said unto jo- Jacob, How old are you? Here's the most powerful ruler in the, in the, in the, world, in the then world. And jo- Jacob has an opportunity to be a witness for Yahweh to this man. And I want you to notice his answer. And Jacob said unto Pharaoh, The days of the years of my pilgrimage are 130 years. Few and evil have the years of my life been. Few and evil. Even when everything really was working out together for good, he couldn't see it. But even when they actually worked out for good, he couldn't see it. Why? Because he focused on the circumstances. He focused on the problems instead of focusing on the Lord. And we're told in everything to give thanks and that that's the will of God for us. But it's also the way to blessing when we focus on the circumstances, it will drag us down. But if we focus on God, though everything be against us, God will be for us, and we can rejoice in that. Thank you.
6: I don't want to go this alone, so I'm going to ask Josh, come on up, Pastor Brunt, um, Where's Pastor Mike, Kent, and Steve? Come on up. We're just going to finish tonight by talking through a few things. I'll sit here. You and your dad take center stage there. Yeah. Yep. We'll pass the microphone along. Go to Colossians 3.15 just real quickly uh, together. And we'll wrap up tonight just with an open discussion, a semi-podcast discussion on how Thanksgiving has been the discipline of giving things has been instrumental to us when it life 's been most difficult and um, and then we would love to to hear from you as well but Colossians three uh, real quickly, uh, my personal understanding is, and i don 't know that this is just my personal understanding this this is not open for discussion or debate, although it could be that 's what i 'm saying it could be that Colossians three is Given to us in a context of, of worship, okay, um, especially verses uh, three to seventeen. I'm going to read two what I believe to be Pauline contexts of worship, and that there's something that happens all the time because it's the will of God that we be found thankful, but it particularly needs to take place when we're together as a church family. And Colossians three fifteen says, "Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts." to which indeed you were called into one body, and be what? Be thankful. You look at those verses, there's a lot of other worship activity happening in verses 13 to 17. Right? Excuse me, verse 12 to 17. Verse 12, so, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other, Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. I think this is all a context of worship. This is what happens when the body's together. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. We read verse 15, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. With all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So three times in the context of worship, singing, I could say ministering to one another, right, maybe even preaching, that thanksgiving is a common uh, discipline of the Christian life. you go over to First Thessalonians 5, which I believe is another context of worship, and again, open for discussion and debate. This is just where I'm at. First um, Thessalonians 5, verses 12 to 22. I think this is what would have been heard and seen in Thessalonian worship in the first century. Right in the middle of that is verse 18. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So this is, um, this is... Can I say more than a discipline? This is an absolute 100% must do in the context of worship. It's God's will that we find our way to thankfulness regardless of our circumstances. That devotional tonight, brother, was definitely God's will for me. And we find our way to thanksgiving there. What else is happening in, these context, in this context of worship? as Thanksgiving is nestled right there in the middle. Verse 12, But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction. And yet you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. That's what happens in worship. That's what you so wonderfully do in encouraging us as pastors. And then what do we do among each other? live in peace we urge you brethren admonish the unruly encourage the faint hearted help the weak be patient with everybody see that no one repays one another evil for evil but always seek that which is good for one another and for all people rejoice always pray without ceasing it was wonderful to do that in the context of worship tonight with our elders Keep giving thanks. This is God's will. Don't quench the spirit. Don't despise prophetic utterances. But examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Some tremendous, that's a tremendous list of instruction if you're going to maintain integrity in worship. But thanksgiving is at the epicenter of both. Texts. So personal devotion for me, just, just telling you my testimony, and I'll just pass the microphone down. Personal testimony for me, giving thanks since it's God's will has to take place in my time with God, else I'm not a thankful person. And giving thanks must always be a part of worship for me, corporately with the body, um, else I don't feel I'm doing the will of God as a pastor. But whether it's personal devotion or whether it's corporate devotion, together as a flock. um, There's something about thanksgiving to me, being thankful as a person, just keeps me reoriented. Mm -hmm. I'm always, because of our flesh, we're all going disoriented. (laughs) Mm -hmm. There's just something about thanksgiving that just puts you right back where you need to be and for me it's a refocus that God is good regardless of the circumstances and, uh, um, so that's me complete disorientation without a thankful disposition I wonder if that's true of all of us so that's just my thoughts on it I'll let Pastor Kent Sure. Shall we throw it down there a little bit? You're welcome. All right, pass the the buck. We have one already down down there, so you can keep
7: that. (laughs)
6: What? What? What do you? Why? Why? Why is it? One of the questions we discussed, and and Josh, you you came with some thoughts too on Thanksgiving. Uh, Josh is going to be is teaming with his folks in this ministry to. Uh, to needy, to needy people that we're helping in our Christmas offering. Um, what makes it easier for us to give thanks when times are good, and what makes it harder to give thanks when times are difficult? Have you ever thought about that, Josh? Pastor Mike, Steve? Yep. Yep.
2: Yeah, I think with.
8: to him in all of those things. And um, contrasted with the the ungodly where we see in Romans chapter 1 that uh, that one of the main characteristics of the people that rejected God to the point of creating a God after their own image, which is characteristic of of every single one of us, is that they were unthankful. Um, You look at the children of Israel in the Old Testament, Hebrews says they were disobedient, they were unbelievers, and one of their characteristics was that they were murmurers and they were not thankful. They could not see God as he truly was, as he rightly was. And so submitting ourselves underneath of God's sovereignty, goodness, and wisdom, and having those always in mind, it's, you know, which came first, the chicken or the egg. We sometimes have to devotionally get our attitude right, but sometimes it's a matter of, seeing God as he truly is so that our attitude is aligned properly and I, I think just to kind of echo from a different different vantage point there than what you said
2: mm-hmm. um, I, I find my memory to be really short uh, when it comes to the, the goodness of God uh, it's great uh, even having read Psalm 107 the circumstances and yet the Lord delivered them Uh, You think of that cycle of Israel and how God often delivered them, and they prospered because they responded to that deliverance, and then they got lost in the prosperity. Um, So I I think it's so easy to give thanks when it's good, because it's good. (laughs) We like good. We don't like bad. And when we're not in good, or the circumstances aren't comfortable, then at that point, just the goodness of who he is, but also the circumstances that, in large part, I've enjoyed my entire life. Um, How easy and how quick it is to forget. So that, really, the disposition comes from chastening, perhaps, but then also remembering. Mm -hmm. So, uh, that. I
9: think, uh, you know, my initial response to that is yeah, I pretty much fail all the time when things are bad. Mm -hmm. I am not a thankful person. That is not the initial response when my flesh is being exercised and circumstances kind of poke at it. And in fact, that frankly is the context there in Colossians chapter 3 where, you know, uh, Paul is really telling us that, listen, you know, we have put off the old man, we put on the new man, but there's still this wrestle that's going on and you need to put on and do these things beginning in verse 12. And what are those things, right? It's the fruit of the Spirit, And then what is the outworking of the fruit of the Spirit in that fact? And be thankful. That's the first time of two more times that we're told to be thankful in this passage. Right? So for me, I guess all I'm trying to say is that you know, when everything hits the fan I am not a thankful person but I've got to in the Spirit work to become Put on. If you have put on the new man, you're going to be able to put on that as God's chosen ones, all these things, I've got to wrestle myself to thankfulness. I've got to then let the word of Christ go well on me richly so I can sing thankful things. God gave me peace through Christ to be thankful. I can be in the word, help the word to remind me and tell me why it is, you dumb, dumb dude, that you should be thankful. Like no matter what, because of the word. And then, verse 17, and whatever you do, word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God through the Father's the That goes that so so basically for me it's a cycle. have a complaint against you people who are thankful are going to forgive each other just as the lord has forgiven you so there's this cycle it's who i am in jesus christ it's what i say and then what it's what i do and it's kind of the what i do part that oftentimes when things aren't going so well i've got to really i personally have to reorient Okay, okay i've got to go ask for forgiveness you know that's part of thankfulness here because of who i am
6: in jesus it's awesome. Thank you. Hey, so, so Josh, going back to what you said, knowing who God is before we can be. Because we live a lot of our lives focusing on the be without focusing on who he is. Right. So that was a powerful comment. So for all of us who have had the privilege of having one of these in our house, or ten of these in our house, and now on our phones, for thousands of years, for the majority of human history, when no Bibles existed. We can pick up a text and we can read, we can Google, hey, where's Thanksgiving in the Bible and shoot, right? And we have a tendency to wrestle ourselves to be thankful before we wrestle ourselves to know God. Before people had the Bible, you know, in the first century, Paul just couldn't tell the Colossian believers, hey, just pick up your Bible and read it and you'll be fine. Right, the Bible wasn't given to us as some type of, you know, spiritual medicinal medicinal prescription, because you can know the Bible without knowing the God of the Bible. Most of us don't feel like picking up our Bibles when things aren't good. So, what do we what do we need to do? Just seriously, guys, what do we need to do? Because even in the last year and a half, twenty months. 24 months, we, we've all had to, we've all had to really embrace what we did or did not know about God. When we didn't have our Bibles with us, when we're driving, commuting, living, when the Bible's not available, everybody, <laughs> even when it's available. I think maybe we all found out what we did or didn't know about God. And we had a hard time wrestling ourselves to thankfulness. I know I did. But anyway, seriously.
8: Yeah, I mean, um, as far as the, as far as the not having the Word of God, think of how much Joseph had in in his day. And other than some maybe auditory stories that were passed down, and and certainly God had revealed himself very specifically to his forefathers. As far as we know, Joseph never had any direct revelation outside of some of the dreams that he had um, with their interpretations. And so, yeah, the the word of God is 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 obviously living, and it's helpful, and especially with the living Holy Spirit, it's what changes our hearts. But what most of us do, I think, is take this word of God, read it, and hold on to or grasp on to what we want to take from it, and then shelve the rest of it as though it's not applicable. And we have that struggle to actually apply what we're reading, what we are seeing of God. And so, I mean, there is a wealth of information about our God right here. Um, something that, that, as Pastor Tim has mentioned, we, we just, before the, this last generation, it was not available to people like it is now. And yet, the how much our souls are starved with the from the knowledge of God uh, in today's age is astounding. Um, and so, we've got to get to know our God better. Um, he's got to be bigger um, he, first of all, we need to know him rightly, but we need to know him as a great God. And we can never think of God too bigly, too bigly, too big. Th- it's impossible to think of an infinite God too great. And uh, so we need to always challenge ourselves in our concept of who God is and that have that submissive attitude before him. Because what is characteristic of thanksgiving is saying, God, you're allowed to be whoever you want to be, regardless of what I think you are based on my reading. I'm going to show up in in heaven and find out that there are things that I was wrong about about you and am I I still willing to bow the knee before him Mm. and uh, what's characteristic of a true believer is that yes regardless of what he looks like I am going to bow the knee before him I think it was um, John Bunyan as as he was facing either execution or exile to the Americas at the time that was the Australia of his day and he was faced with the concept of his eternity, and he said i don 't know what else to do if i die I, if I, if I die as a sinner and an unbeliever and go to hell, or if I die and, and God has paid the price for me through the blood of his son." Either way, he's commanded me to do, he's commanded me to preach, and so I must continue to be obedient. And that's the attitude of a Christian. It's not because of the reward. It's because of the God who does reward. And we're grateful and thankful that he does reward, but that's just our responsibility. And so it's that attitude, I think, that's so critical, if that makes sense, that in Thanksgiving.
10: Just uh, to piggyback on what Josh is saying, I think you know, what we have to do or not do is we've got to stop looking at the Bible through the lens of our felt needs Mm -hmm. and that that's a real critical reality I think um, um, the Bible first of all is about high theology about the character and the nature of God and uh, you know a little child comes up to me and says Pastor Kent thank you walks away I say "Hmm, there goes a first rate theologian right there (laughs) Um, I want to be a first-rate theologian. Uh, I think uh, Josh mentioned Romans 1. And uh, you know, theologians, when they apprehend God, as God intended us to apprehend them, uh, thanksgiving is, uh, is, um, is the expression of the heart. And, um, and to fail... To be thankful in any moment. You know, we, we all still carry about our old sin nature. And ingratitude is the mouthpiece of a truth suppressing reality <laughs> that exists in my being. Shame on me. Shame on me. So I want to be a first rate theologian. I think another thing, you know, when, uh, that I often think about, it's kind of been said here, but if I could put it in. Words for my heart is: I want to be a good churchman. In other words, I want to be somebody who locates myself well in salvation history. Uh, I'm not Israel. I'm not the coming kingdom yet. I'm I'm a churchman. And and one of the things that's true about the church is: is is we're not a satisfied people. In other words, we, we don't get to go out and kill Philistines and enjoy good crops because we did what we were supposed to do. We're we're, we're, we're not, we're gathered Gentiles. And so we're, I call it, we're confessional. And, and Jesus told us, I've told you, you're my friends. And what he meant by that is I've told you comparably more than I've told any other portion of salvation history. You've got names, places. You've got a bodily resurrected Jesus. You've got so much. And, and it's going to be a tough row to hoe here gather Gentiles but uh, I want you to confess and so I think another thing we've got to do is we've got to to put it in our mouth and speak it you know it's really not mine until I actually go up to somebody and I speak it and I say God's amazing and I'm so thankful for what God's done testify you know to have it all up in your head and try to mull over it and hope that that's somehow going to change you but it's not until you say it you know, now you're identified with it And that that's a whole different level So now you've got to start living it, you know And making it reality So I want to be a good churchman Identify myself well Which is uh, Pastor brought Colossians I mean, if you want to put uh, this little 12, 7, 15, 2 In each of the chapters of the book of Colossians There is reference to gratitude and thanksgiving And it So another part of my identity as a churchman is my ability to apprehend my union with Christ. And this is the marker that I have. That's not to say that the old covenant folks didn't have it. But that wasn't particularly their marker. That wasn't their emphasis. It was other things. They had the law. Some other things that they really trumpeted. We trumpet this. That we are in Christ in union with him. And and gratitude is fundamental. And then the other thing is already brought up. You know you look at Revelation 11. Is, is is uh you know I'm preparing well for my future that's just what you're going to do you're you're just going to go to heaven and you better be good at gratitude because that's pretty much all they do up there as far as I can tell and and so that's what you do you know you you got to to me you've got to you got to get to be a lot better theologian and so do I you know and I can't keep looking at scripture through my felt needs I've got to open it up and let God tell me who he is. And I've got to do the adjusting in my thinking. And then better churchmen know who I am and um, identify myself, love my union in Christ, and find there the ability to confess and be grateful and then uh, prepare well for my future.
2: So can I ask a question about that? About what you just said? No, 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 it's good, because, no, in all seriousness, and and here's why I want to ask, because, like, when you say speak it, totally agree, but what if I don't feel it? Like, well, hold on, because, well, well, here's why, here's why I say that, because a lot of times, Thanksgiving is associated with joy. It's associated with, you know, giving praise, like praise and thanks, those two things go together, but if anything, what we've been talking about tonight, Thanksgiving, isn't always associated with the feeling of joy. So am I being hypocritical if I say that, if I, if I speak to it, or if I give, pray, or I give thanks, but I'm really not feeling it? How, how do I work through no, that? No, I think
10: you're, you're growing in, in grace and discipline. I, there's a whole theology of emotion, I think, and you've got to work that out in your mind. Emotion to me is just sort of um, uh, the, the daily moment-to-moment feedback I get, and, and it, it can often be, I look at it like water. You know, you need water to sustain your life, right? Water's critical. But water can get you in a lot of trouble, too. You know, and so for me, you've got to find containers to pour water into so that they are manageable and they're helpful and they're useful. So, uh, the, you know, the whole idea of if I don't feel it, I don't speak it is so contrary to the whole reality of who we are as this crazy theological creature, which is somebody with a new nature, a whole set of complex of attributes that long for purity and holiness and righteousness at the very core of it, and this old sin nature that's the absolute opposite. I mean, can we all just take a deep breath? We're hypocrites. It's just what we are, and and, and the, the the discipline of confession is what helps to... Grow us up in grace, I think, to to formulate some of those containers for our emotion. I appreciate emotion. I don't want to. I think it's very important, um, and and I don't mean to downplay it. But but I do think, uh, I don't know if this helps, Mike. But they're the things that need to be managed again against the backdrop of scripture. They're not. They're not the final question in this. uh, 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 What am I trying to say? Formula. Uh, it's just maybe part of it, but it's not the final. You know, it is the confessional.
6: Maybe maybe, find, maybe yeah. finding our way to thankfulness in agony is normal. <laughs> maybe that is our norm. Maybe thankfulness when we're truly happy, happy is abnormal. Uh, I think like John 17 in Christ's high pri- priestly prayer, you know, he's in Gethsemane. Somehow he found his way to be thankful to do the will of God. I don't know that thankfulness always comes with a smile on its face, but maybe some drops of blood on on a brow. And maybe that's how we've Americanized thanksgiving and joy, rather than biblicized it. And I'm talking out loud here. I'm not suggesting anything.
2: for our church. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we, have a, we have a holiday agree, with a whole a a lot, lot
6: of food and a whole lot of prosperity
2: associated with Thanksgiving. Right, and right. to not have that yeah, is like question. almost antithetical to
6: Thanksgiving itself. So, yeah. That's why we struggle with it so much, probably. Giving thanks when it's happy. But I wonder if our normal is the other way around.
5: Yeah. I really I really mind. 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 I just in, in thinking about that, Psalm 42 we always talk about the deer panting after the water brooks and so forth, but in verses 3 and following, he says, My tears have been my food day and night, while they continually say to me, Where is thy God? They're, they're mocking him. I remember these things. I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and the praise with the multitude that kept holiday, holy day. And, and there's this sense of, you know, things are really pretty bad for this guy. All right. But then verse 5... Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted in, in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. And I think that's the, that's the critical thing to me in this, in this situation. So, am I, is it natural? Does it feel, do I feel like it? That's Hollywood. Yeah. Okay, go, do what your heart says. But here, listen to your heart. Okay. No, you speak to your heart. That's what this man's doing. He is basically self-counseling. Okay, He's, He is telling himself, stop being cast down. Hope in God. There goes the, the theology part of things. Go back to the scriptures. View your circumstances through the word of God. And I think that's the key. So I have to, I have to wrestle myself back to uh, submission to the word of God. <laughs> Let's just say one other thing that I think.
10: So profound. I know. um, Back to the uh, the chapter fifty that uh, Brother Bronk was sharing with us. You know that gratitude is linked to the sovereignty of God, right? And Joseph is confessing this to his brothers. And I love this in verse twenty one. So the result of this, and I think this will be the result in our local church, if we are a, a people who can discipline ourselves back to gratitude because of our theology that God's in control and, and listen to what Joseph was able to do uh, so therefore my brothers he's telling his his uh, brethren there do not be afraid I will provide for you and your little ones yeah. so he comforted them and spoke kindly to them and I think you know, that's the, the result of a man who can see himself through all this craziness believe the sovereignty of God fill his heart with gratitude so he can actually look at the perpetrators of the evil in his life and he can tell them be comforted and I'm going to speak kindly to you and that's I think that's how we know when we kind of got this or we're progressing on our way is is when we can comfort each other and speak kindly to each
6: other Pastor Steve has a comment that I want to hear. Some of you have buried your children, and some of you have gone through some really grievous things. You're still here tonight, and you're still worshiping faithfully. Maybe you would be willing, as we close, to kind of share how God the Spirit um, formed your disposition of thankfulness, your attitude, your reality of thankfulness, so we can learn from you how that's done in life's most difficult so I can learn from you. Because uh, many of you have gone through things a lot harder than I ever have gone through. And I'd like to learn if you're not if, you, if you're if you not up to, up to that tonight we understand. But I'd like to hear from you as we close. Pastor Steve you had a comment?
9: No. It, everything was said just fine. Are you sure? Yeah we have.
6: Alright. Pastor Steve um, going to travel the microphone for, for those of you that have had like some of life's Most, under God's sovereignty, you've experienced God's, you know, frowning providences, right? Right? That's my son's ringtone. (laughs) I have a different ringtone for each one of my kids. And uh, Noah's the Avengers, yes. (laughs) So, I can play you the other three. They fit their personality. (laughs) Caleb is Toy Story, <laughs> the theme. He still is, yeah. Mike is Lion King. Anyways, all right. I'd like to hear from, from some folks that um, have gone through hard, hard, hard things. And I think you know who you are. At least I know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, you may not think, be thinking, I I mean, you're in my head. But I'd like to hear from you how you're doing that. Yep,
7: Pastor, just some of the things that um, I've gone through um, in my life. I think during the trials that I go through, I don't think that I handle them well at the time. But then as I'm going through them, I look back and I see the goodness that I've had. Throughout the years, even before that trial, and it brings me back to center where I'm supposed to be. So, yeah, that's
6: perfect.
7: I'm Sally, and I'm newer here. Um, my husband passed away in July. And right after that, at a doctor's office, one nurse said to me, well, I'm sure you're going to go through being angry with God. And I said, oh, I could never be angry with God. And you you said tonight, his sovereignty overlies all of it. And then you mentioned Psalm 42. And years ago, I found a difference in the wording between verse um, 5 and then verse 11. It talks about him being the help of our countenance. But in verse 11, it says he is the health of of my countenance, and it doesn't really matter what I'm feeling, it's who God is, and I can put a smile on my face and have tears in my eyes at the same time because of who
11: God is. I must never forget that. Thank you. I was thinking of the simple word of my stubborn impatience I think of when we um, suffered a miscarriage. Many of you remember that time for me, and that was so hard. But God was laughing at me. He goes, Guess what, Carla? I got something better for you. He gave me two. But then, some of you know, my Caleb came along, and he was autistic. I'll never forget that phone call from that, from that doctor telling me over the phone, your son's autistic. I remember that day clearly. God saying, I got this, Carla. And he, oh my goodness, he has showered me with so many people in my life in the educational world. And those of you here in this church, again, my impatience then I think of my personal nursing career. Many of you might know from Facebook that I'm now a regional nursing supervisor. And you're like, ooh. But let me tell you, my impatience from way back when I tried to get into nursing school and I couldn't get in, couldn't get in. And then I slowly became an LPN and then I became an RN. And just going through all the struggles of that. And God is now put me where I need to be right now. And I'm showered by wonderful people in my life that I get to go and just shine for Christ to others in my job. So my stubbornness, I have been showered by all of you. I love you all deeply, and you have helped me through each step of of the things I've been through through my life And I hope I shower you as well in all that I do here. But I just wanted to share that with you guys.
12: Um, with the current struggles with uh, my mom being in the hospital and um, I was thinking about what you guys were saying with how it's, it's really hard when you're in those deep areas to be thankful. And um, I was thinking about the what you are saying about the binoculars. It, it almost feels like when you're in those deep um, valleys, your tears make it really hard to see through mm-hmm. anything, your glasses, your binoculars, whatever it is. Um, and and grief has a powerful way of redirecting us uh, away from God and a, away from um, the things that normally would be your foundations because of just of how our our humanists our our emotions just just take us everywhere where it's not supposed to be. Um, but in these past three weeks, we've seen again and again our family seen when when people were praying when people were. We're asking the Lord to intervene for us when we couldn't really uh, uh, come to God in a, in a clear sense. The amount of times that he would bring something to us in just obvious direct ways, whether it be a Christian nurse, a, a um, someone to come and, and sing hymns, just things that you just don't you know, there's a lot of times you see stuff that happened to you in the past that it, you see it maybe, maybe months, years later, and go, "Wow, God it was working really good." But well, he, look at what he did. But it's another thing to have him slap you in the face with it and go, "I am still here. I'm still in control. You don't have to worry about this. Just leave everything at my feet." And and I know that my family has a long ways to go with with her health. And there's many things that. I know that God still has um, the ability to. I guess a lot of times when we when we think of things, we think, "Man, if God could do this, we could really, you know, just we could really just, you know, praise His name and really show Him off." And it's it's hard to go with God's timing, God's ways. We want everything now. We want everything, you know, in the best light that we possibly can. But sometimes God doesn't have that planned. And it's a hard thing to accept, but it's a good thing to remember that we have people that are praying for us and to encourage us and send us Bible verses and texts and emails and phone calls, food. I mean, it's just so many different ways that, um, as we saw many times in the ICU, when you don't have Jesus, it's a, it's a, it's a dark, dark world. So I'm thankful that, thankful that I do.
6: One of the people in my head. Yeah. Thank you very, very much. I was recently uh, reading Charles, about Charles Henry Spurgeon, and he, he struggled with deep depression. I don't know if you knew that or not. Uh, there was a, a, a stint of several weeks where he, he wouldn't get out of bed. Now, if that was one of us, I don't know. You may fire us. I don't know. You didn't show up to preach for five weeks because you can't get yourself out of bed. That wouldn't sound very spiritually heroic, but when we think of Spurgeon, we don't think of him as a failure, do we? Right? His own, his own children couldn't help. His wife couldn't help him. Um, he wouldn't eat. There was a visiting missionary couple from a foreign field. I think it was Australia at that point they came in, the husband went in to try to encourage him and get him out of bed. Didn't help. The whole room's full of people trying to help him get out of bed. And the missionary's wife stepped to the bedside, sat down, and just spoke God's word to him and encouraged him, told him how thankful she was for him. And he snapped out of it. Right? So, um, it's okay if we let each other struggle. It's okay if we help each other back to thankfulness. Mm -hmm. And it's okay if we remain thankful as we live under God's will, whether it be his frowning providences or a smiling face. Mm -hmm. And it's okay. That's normal. Ron, can I read your quote you texted to me? I wanted to give you credit and permission. He said, in the same way that courage only has meaning in the presence of a threat or danger, true thankfulness is a response of faith and submission in times of hardship and uncertainty. All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for uh, this time we can spend just considering you, your person. We're... uh, we're a dispensation that has a fully recorded Bible. How privileged we are. In addition, Lord, to an inspired, preserved, complete will of God that is our sole rule for faith and practice, we have indwelt saints. We have a body. We have the manifold encouragement of God that comes from her us. Help us, Lord, to humbly continue as we worship you to serve one another uh, with thankful hearts as we endure through um, um, your will for us in this time as we await the imminent return of our Jesus. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right.